I also call myself the chief vibes officer at my company. That's Kavya Kesarwani. Along with being the self-appointed chief vibes officer, she's actually the community manager at Juno, a startup based in the fintech space. It's actually so overused though. Like, I think it was great when it started off, but now it's so overused. And especially when Millennials started using it, that it lost all charm. <laughs> so, <laughs> I try not to use it too much. But see, this episode isn't just about one person's story. It's about a microcosm of a generation that everyone loves to have an opinion on. Gen Z, and more specifically, the urban Indian Gen Z. What motivates them, if anything? So buckle up, because you're about to meet them like never before. In fact, it's not just a meeting, but a wipe check. In this episode of CTC, I speak to five people in their professional lives, their a chief of staff, a community manager, a journalist turned policy professional, a growth manager, a writer on a major OTT platform. But what do they think about their work, their life, their motivations, their ideals, their careers, and if there's some room for anything else? All of this and much more in this episode of Cost to Company, a podcast around careers and workplaces by the Ken. I'm your host, Shrivar. So the format this time is going to be slightly different. I'm going to ask a question. A bunch of people are going to answer it. And from time to time, I'll come in either with my thoughts or the next question. See, being a Gen Z today isn't easy. The first few years in the workplace was marred and affected by the pandemic. There's inflation. We're lonelier than ever before. But there's also an unfair advantage of being a Gen Z. The cost of starting is close to nothing. You're literally born in the lap of technology. The internet exists. So does AI, but that's a whole different conversation. There's a dichotomy here. And there's confusion. And the blame is often put on Gen Z. They're often said to be the confused or the most flippant generation out there. What do they feel about that? I'll let Sindhu Shivaprasad who's the chief of staff at Obvious, a design studio, and a former content writer answered that. And I don't think that's, I don't entirely agree because I think that's a huge generalization. I'm definitely not flippant about something I'm probably going to spend one third of my life on. I think um, building a good career is really meaningful. Doing it at a workplace that I appreciate and I vibe with is way more meaningful. I, but confused, sure. I think that's because we have, um, as a generation, we have a lot more options and career paths that we can choose. And a lot of times it's a kind of a grass is greener on the other side situation um, where we are in one job and we're looking at the other and we're thinking, oh, maybe I could have done that. You know, maybe I would have fit there better, etc. Um, doesn't help that technology is 
advancing like crazy and we're constantly having to reevaluate the value that we bring to the table like i've been working for close to 5 years now and i'm still confused here's kavya from juno whom we heard from a little earlier first of all i'm also so sick of being called this like i have been called this for like i've been in the industry for 3 years now and like i said i have dabbled in a bunch of projects because i just don't stick <laughs> i i have diverse needs and i like exploring things but i also feel like it's kind of a derogatory term to use like to call people flippant uh i don't think we're flippant i just feel we have evolving needs and we're constantly thinking of those needs at all times and we have the time and learning to like introspect and revise those needs and somehow this culture of low, like yes queen go get it that kind of enables and motivates us to act on whatever it takes to achieve those needs so like i think i think we're uh, as a generation we're a little obsessed with progress if that's what i can call it and uh, it could also be like a generation agnostic thing as well but a little bit more relevant with the gen z uh, on account of how fast paced the world is right now and uh, like believe it or not we are very very anxious of becoming irrelevant we're very insecure uh, about turning irrelevant in this really fast paced ecosystem and uh, the fact that we're so hyper connected to each other we know exactly what is going on in our peers lives and their company so i am not just restricted to the work i am doing at my workplace i am also i also I'm fully aware of what my peers are doing in their company, what their job looks like, what their culture is like, what all things they are learning, and like I'm hyper aware of what all exists in the market, and I'm overstimulated by the choices I have, and that it's only natural that it renders me confused. So I think it's a systemic issue. I don't think it's a personal problem at this point. It is just how systems have evolved. That there is so much information out there. how do you expect one to make up their mind when we talk about overstimulation we have to speak about social media let's not forget that gen z is pretty much the first generation that grew up with social media i also spoke to bhavya narula who's a core team member of growthx a community led learning platform and was previously with coin dcx i personally am very very averse of social media like i do not have a insta account like i have never had like an insta account where i was like uh, creating a lot of content uh i think for multiple reason insta for me i feel that there is an ecosystem out there of individuals who are not authentic and the content that they shared kind of does not resonate with me sharina a former journalist and aspiring policy professional who's written for publications like the quint and reset is up next i think there is a bit of a let's say a difficult line to draw when it comes to being authentic on social media especially as a professional and um, you know i've had this issue where um, you know i'd be very honest um, i'd be very honest and i would just say anything that i wanted on social media and people would have an issue with that because i at the end of the day i was still representing a company or a brand right So being uh, yeah being authentic on social media is a bit of a double edged sword you know and it, that's the issue that i have with linkedin as well where people have this 
um i don't know it's, it just feels like a facade that they put on where they are like this 100% professional person like a little bit robotic at least and where their like natural self is really not present at all <laughs> it and people talk in this weird like as if ai has written it for them people talk in this very weird way and i'm like you don't talk like that like i don't understand why you want to sort of um associate seriousness with um authenticity you know social media the likes the retweets it can get a bit too much it obviously affects your self worth but when it comes to careers and workplaces what affects their self worth the most the careers that they have the work that they do or the life that they eventually lead this might be a little off brand but i'm not going to lie i don't know if it's self worth but i do derive a major chunk of my personality from my work like and and it's something i don't want to like i've tried to actively uh protest against it that i don't want to be the girl who makes her entire personality her work but i've realized in hindsight that it's not something i can run away from <laughs> like i i just cannot run away from it and i and then it again bottles down to the amount of time i'm giving to it right like i said like i'm giving 12 hours a day 5 days a week to this one thing this one project in my life there is like no like there is no way i can't make it a big part of me 70% of my personality is my work out of which i feel like 40% is the role i'm doing like my talent and the skills i bring and 30% the company i associate with this has also become like a thing like i have started to weave a personality out of the brand i'm working for which in some ways isn't the most healthiest thing to do to be very honest but it's something that comes naturally to me i like to make imbibe imbibe it into my personality but like for sure there is like i said there's this constant fight that oh i want to be more than just my work i want to do so much more than that and i know there is like i'm constantly striving to do more than that another interesting thing though i found myself do it's something i realized later like oh my god this is what i'm doing is i have found myself talking about my work in my personal circles and i have found myself talking about my personal life and where i'm traveling and the food i'm eating and the colorful life i'm living in like my work circles so my self worth and this is like because i exist on social media too much i'm active on every platform ever i realized i was more inclined towards posting a picture of my laptop at the beach on instagram and posting like some really nice meal i'm having or some really fun thing i did on twitter so which is to show my friends and family that i have a great career and the people i work with that i have a great life <laughs> let's go back to sindhu i think my self worth currently comes from the life that i live but with work as a part of it um there's um i in terms of work life balance i think um again those are we tend to polarize the two like there's work and then there's life but in fact work is a part of your life um in general and it's just one slice of the pie rather than the entire pie itself or non-existent at all um but this is something i've only learned to do recently because up until now um actually maybe up until like two and a half years ago um the kind of work that i'd been doing and the kind of freelance atmosphere that i'd been in meant that my self worth my income my livelihood all of it depended entirely on how smartly or hard um i worked but now that i'm in a better place i'm in a better organization 
um, I'm able to look at it a lot more holistically. Um, and so I'm able to get as much pride and joy from maybe spending a Sunday painting as I would finishing a project at work. So I think I've successfully somehow um, managed to make my, absolutely, yeah, make myself worth more well-rounded rather than hinged on one thing. But remember the little something that happened a few years ago all across the world? Well, it had some rather unique consequences on Gen Z. What exactly? We'll find out after this break. Did you know that more than 75% of adults in India do not understand basic financial concepts? The number is worse when it comes to women. But in the last two years or so, partly because of the pandemic, there has been a dramatic increase in retail investments in the Indian stock market. But still, it is safe to say that a large section of our country's population is financially illiterate. So if you wonder why you keep seeing those ads on YouTube and other social media platforms offering investment advice, saying invest your money on this share or that share or grow your money two times or four times, you now know why it is not so surprising. There is a dire need for demystifying the world of investments and finances for common people. And here is where Finfluencers come in. As ridiculous as that name sounds, these financial influencers break down mind-numbing financial jargon that usually leaves most of us scratching our heads. Their videos are simple, they speak in a mix of different regional languages and English, of course, and one could even argue that we need more folks like them. But there is a flip side to this whole thing. Many, many of these so-called finfluencers operate in a grey area. They are not registered with SEBI or the Capital Markets Regulator, and they depend on advertisements and sponsorships to make money. But many of them offer misleading advice to innocent investors. SEBI has been receiving many complaints for a while now. But regulating them is a bit of a catch-22 situation. To understand why, listen to the latest episode of my podcast, Daybreak, on Spotify, iTunes or whatever podcast platform you prefer. I'm Snigdha, by the way, and now I will let you go back to Costa Company. Thank you for listening. COVID was a pretty big event in all of our lives. But what about the Gen Z upstarts? How did it affect them? There were some interesting things to be found. Let's go back to Bhavya from Growthex. Now that COVID is gone, I see that will I fit in in a post-COVID ecosystem, uh, which is I do. I have only worked remote. I have not worked in an office setting. I don't know if in an office setting all those people talk about water cooler conversations, uh, just commute, and all these things. When you come into a like a office setting. Am I going to fit in? Am I going to enjoy that? It's going to take me a while. Am I already ahead in my career? So I have to fit in quicker than, than maybe if like I was very early in my career, I, I still had that liberty. Uh, like from social, social relationships, I think uh, I do not know if things change, but obviously the amount of friendships, the new friendship or new connections I was able to make was very low. Uh, I think initial part of my career working 26 was totally remote. Plotex were totally remote. Growthex is totally remote. So the, my ability to make those connections with newer and newer people uh, was limited. But luckily, Growthex is a very community-centered system. We have 2,000 members. 
so i have been lucky i know a lot of my friends who have not been that lucky and they really struggle making new friends making new connections in this uh, remote ecosystem i have been lucky with growthex uh, that is taking care of me but yeah it's going to be interesting to see how when like this entire covid thing and now we are at the very tail end things are going to go back uh, as they were how do i fit in how do i find myself in that ecosystem and then slowly obviously things started opening up but like all of that that i did back in the pandemic uh, in terms of upskilling and learning i realized that i could do only because i was locked in my room with zero access to my friends or the outer world for two years straight and that kind of made me like spiral down internally and i was or kind of am again now was always like an introverted person i've like i used to work in community i used to do extracurricular activities being a theater kid i like to talk to people and i like to put myself out there but like during the pandemic i realized that my idea of putting myself out there changed to just doing that virtually wherein i found it extremely difficult to actually meet people and talk to them i started fumbling i i had issues in speech like i because there was a point where i wasn't even talking to people where i didn't hear my own voice so i didn't know how to talk i didn't know how to voice things and get words out of my mouth and being in the field that i am where i'm talking to people doing community management and hosting events that wasn't the best thing to have happened the pandemic was also this unique time when both employees and employers got a chance to reflect on their needs and wants from the workplace and something that more and more people started looking at was culture and by culture i don't just mean whether they were working hybrid or full time at the office we've in fact spoken about this in a previous cdc episode no by culture i mean the value systems the principles the beliefs what do the young employees think of that um i think they are important for sure um they're definitely one of um the few values that i look out for when i'm looking for a new job or a new role um but it's not just about saying that we do these things that we're a diverse and inclusive organization i'd like to be able to see proof of this on your website or in the news um i'd like to see maybe a progression i'd like to see change because culture is always changing and so you can't stick to the same um style of working that you would have 10 years ago so if a company um for example in my company right now um we have a playbook where there's like clear evidence clear documentation of how policies around certain um topics have changed over time because people have come in with feedback and they've been taken seriously um and that's what i really value um not only does it mean that it's a psychologically safe workspace um to be in but it also means that these uh, this company is truly um willing to go the extra mile to make this a level playing field for everyone no matter their background or orientation or whatever let's switch gears and talk about another form of culture something that you keep reading on on twitter and linkedin you probably listen to on spotify and apple podcast as well hustle culture I think productivity, like as a genre or whatever you call it, started off with like good intentions, but it's just turned into this whole toxic thing about you know who can get the most out of their day. And the problem that I have with um productivity culture is that it's like a one size fit all sort of solution to everything, which is not how you know life works, right? And a lot of productivity gurus that we see or whatever are at the end of the day they are like. 
cishet men who don't really share the experiences of a large part of the population who and i think a lot of people tend to compare themselves to these sort of you know whoever is the epitome of productivity and it doesn't work out that way so i think that is my main gripe with it i think a lot like at the end of the day um I, I, maybe I, what i see with gen z is that they are far more open to having more of a balanced um, approach to work that you know they don't want to be the type of person that wakes up at 4 a.m and goes to office at 7 a.m and doesn't leave till uh, it's midnight or whatever let's now hear from shashank baliga who's a writer at a major ott platform i uh, think i am somewhere on the fence um for the simple reason that um i don't think everyone is cut from the same cloth right um again it boils down to self awareness like i know a lot of friends who are into this uh, hustle culture grind culture um this sigma the yeah yeah the sigma male grind set or the the giga chat grind set or whatever these kids are calling it nowadays so i know a lot of people who are into all of this um these guys are burning the midnight oil they're taking up 2 to 3 gigs simultaneously they're working the weekends they're working on holidays and they're doing all of these things and they are actually flourishing in this environment it genuinely brings them happiness to do all of these things so if you fall in that category oh you have my appreciation and adulation because i don't think that everyone can manage that and that's that's where my point on self awareness comes in right um i think we all need to uh, somewhere introspect and um uh, know what our limitations are with respect to a bunch of things uh, so for instance you decide to get into this whole hustle culture and it takes a toll on your physical health mental health it strains your relationships then i don't think that's the best move for you again like i said not everyone is cut from the same cloth one thing i'm strongly opposed to is that um, i think uh, again with self awareness i think you know yourself the best right and i think your judgment call should come from that space and not because your favorite influencer on some reel said that uh, hustle culture is the way to go so uh, i'm strongly opposed to influencers peddling a certain narrative uh, because they have no context to your life they don't have context to your background your circumstances but they go around making this blanket statements like uh work 12 hours a day and then keep hustling this that uh that is something i'm strongly opposed to so clearly there aren't completely against hustle culture but what about jobs do they aspire to have a dream job sindhu from obvious went first i am going to go ahead and quote that meme that says darling i do not dream of labor it's true though it just and enc- encompasses what i feel which is that i don't have a dream job and personally i think that's a high bar to have for multiple reasons you know we end up romanticizing this idea um this person we want to become in a certain role earning a certain way in a certain city um in such a way that we end up glossing over negatives and soon enough when we reach there we end up realizing that reality is so much more different and that we were so bullish on this one dream job that we may have missed a lot more better opportunities along the way um that 
personally for me, I think if I was in that space, I would be very disillusioned. That's a tough mind space um, to be in. Uh, so that's my opinion on dream jobs in general. I was having this conversation with my brother also lately where I was, you know, t- trying to explain to him what I want from like a job, uh, from like a job because I have no idea if all those things will ever collide together. So I was just telling him that, you know, um, you know, like, of course, fi- fi- being financially stable and making money especially is important now that I'm like, you know, starting to uh, almost end my mid-20s. So that is definitely important. But again, like I said, you know, um, I think making an impact is very important and having a positive impact on the world. And I know that it sounds very like, um, I don't know, like it's just up in the air or like, how do you quantify that and things like that? Which is why I think when I got into the policy um, side of things, I think that, okay, there's a real potential here to, you know, do something meaningful, do something impactful. So the world might seem like it's going to the wayside. But some of us do still want to create an impact. There is hope, but for how long? Okay, so far we've heard about some of the things that define Gen Z. Their ideals, what makes them tick, what makes them stick, what irks them. But let's get to the brass tacks. Does the Gen Z label even work for them? And what about the whole Gen Z versus millennial debate at workplaces and otherwise? We need to stop this Gen Z versus millennial. It's also, it's also such a tired trope now. Like we have enough content out there on it. We've had enough discussions about it, on it. At this point, the level of information on the internet that exists, exists for everybody. Now, like we're evolving at the same pace. I, we need to stop. Like we need to look, ourse- look at ourselves as two people functioning together irrespective of what generation we come from. That's, that's personally for me, that's what I feel, I think. Great question. I think I have very strong opinions on this. Uh, I have an issue with the label itself. Just because I was born in the same year as someone, I feel it should not be that I'm supposed to act uh, like that individual or all of us have to group together and have the same, same beliefs. Like, I am not on Instagram. I do not go out on weekends to have like a... Uh, party and it's not like I don't I don't want to do that Uh, I like people say that okay you are not very career oriented in this uh, age group and it it is not only people outside uh, this uh, let's say generation people even inside have this idea that you know they will judge you for not following the norms Uh, or they will I have really strong issues with that they will judge you for not doing what you know you are supposed to do I'm like it's, it's, it's like my life I have to live with it, at the end of the day, I have to uh, make sure I'm answerable to myself. So I'll do whatever, you know, I want. Uh, so that's the only thing, like, uh, have have the freedom. Uh, don't try to feel that you are supposed to form, uh, you are supposed to, you know, come to a place where you are trying to uh, get everybody happy and get fit into a zone. Uh, and, and if you're on the other side, don't try to judge you, judge other folks just because they are doing something different than what they're supposed to do. Uh, like encourage that. That's that's the beauty of life. Everybody has their own choices. Everybody has their own experiences. So just be more encouraging of that. So as we figured from this episode, Gen Z is a bit of everything, everywhere, all at once. Uncertainty is part and parcel of what they're going through. Of course, some of the stereotypes do hold true at least from whoever we spoke to. There is confusion, there is ambiguity. But think about it. 
isn't that something that the world itself is feeling right now whatever you've heard about gen z is interestingly a reflection of what the majority of the world is feeling when uh, my my grandfather purchased my uh, the house that i live in right now um he was my age obviously he took home loans and all but he was my age when he could uh, make this decision and take this loan and build this house uh and now me at the same age i need to think four times before i subscribe to the ken also um so <laughs> uh so you kind of get the drift right you may think of this generation as a bunch of entitled cloud chasers but the truth is they're just figuring it out i mean ask me i am too it's like the freshers in college right we always think of the current batch the current generation as the worst that's ever existed that's almost never the case what were your thoughts around this episode what are some of the things that stuck out for you write to me i'm on twitter and linkedin the link is in the description and so is the ken i'll see you for the next one bye bye this episode of cost to company was written produced and hosted by shrivar chotaria with audio engineering by rajiv cm i'm your other host sneha and you'll hear from me next tuesday on cost to company